Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. I don't know about you, but uh, I imagine that many of us felt overwhelmed and a little bit flattened during this week as the restrictions uh, heightened a little bit more, the changes were mandated and the extra challenges. Um, Remote learning was implemented again right across the state. Uh, So again, just a shout out to all our families um, in every circumstance. I know too, not even just for uh, parents with children, but also uh, people putting uh, parents in care or thinking about parents in care, loved ones in care, and just the ache that that has been for you too. Our hearts go out to you. Our love is expressed to you. I feel so helpless at this time, but just please know that we do think of you and we do love you. So it does overwhelm us and it does flat does flatness. And I don't know about how you respond necessarily, but I just found myself... Um, really struggling. There's a sense of, uh, I struggle to find God's blessing, if you like, which sounds really silly considering how much I have available and the freedoms that I still have, uh, but just the sense of how we feel as a community. And I just had to be reminded in the week to keep coming back to God's blessings, to know God's blessing, to know his faithfulness, to know that he will guide and strengthen us, that he is not surprised by this. Um, But still just to know that he understands our hearts and wants to know our ache and he carries our ache and our burdens through this time because he cares for us. I do need to remember in this that God is a God of blessing, that God's desire and his nature is to be in relationship with you and I. That's the the base point. Uh, It's about relationship. And that is, of course, the nature of this conversation that we're having. God, money and me creating a pathway to financial freedom. At its foundation, it is about relationship. And we want you to remember that as we go through this message today and indeed as we go throughout the whole series. We're reflecting primarily on what it means to follow Jesus with everything that we are and everything that we have. And this morning, we're exploring the money's spirit. Before we do that, though, we'd love to hear another tip and we hope that you've been enjoying a tip from our CAP Money Coaches. Do you ever get the feeling that your money doesn't go as far as you'd like it to? My tip today is to reduce expenses by cutting costs. This will save you money and help you save for something else you might need. There are a few ways this can be achieved depending on what the costs are. If it's groceries, you might try different brands to what you normally use and see if you notice a difference in taste for one and then see if you notice a difference in savings secondly. And you never know, you might find something else you like better and save money in the process. Another way is to use the companies you might have seen advertised on telly, the comparison companies. They exist for all kinds of industries. There's health, insurance and the utilities to name uh, some of them. And if you do use them, just be aware that they don't include all the options. So do your research and uh, see what companies they do actually compare it with. And don't take the result as final. Compare their result to what you're currently on and see if it actually might be better. And then just shop around, compare prices. Sometimes to cut costs, it's just a matter of calling your current provider to see uh, directly to see if they can offer you a better deal. If it's been a year or two since your last contract, chances are your rates might have gone up to some kind of standard or basic rate. 
there might be better ones available. Um, I did this just recently with our, our home loan and it had been a couple of years and uh, interest rates had gone down in that time. And although our, our rate had dropped a little bit, uh, being on a variable rate, um, I just thought I'll, I'll contact them and see what they can do. And uh, lo and behold, we've got another half percent off our interest rate. So yeah, definitely worth doing. So thank you to Lockie and indeed to Marie and Glenn uh, for providing these tips and we hope that they've been helpful to you. They are general in nature, of course. Uh, and if you'd love to know more about CAP Money Coaching, then feel free to register. You're interested in a CAP Money course uh, by sending an email to cap at horsham.org.au and we will keep you informed of when the next course will be. I want to start by praying together, would you join me as we pray and open up our hearts and our minds to the things that God might want to say to us today? Father, we do thank you for your faithfulness. We do thank you for your goodness. We need to remind ourselves of your goodness, of your blessing, of your provision, and we do that now in this time. We're grateful for the opportunity that we have to still gather, to still proclaim your name freely, to explore who you are freely, to ask questions of who you are and what that means for our lives so freely and so openly, even in the midst of these restrictions and lockdowns. We know that you are faithful. We want to declare your goodness. And Father, as we open up your word today, we ask that you would grant us insight, revelation, uh, transform our hearts, cause us to um, be convicted about what it is that we might need to throw off so that we can pick up what you want us to pick up today. We just give ourselves to you and look forward to the way in which you re will reveal yourself uh, more to us throughout this word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so I want to invite you to open your scriptures uh, to First Kings. Uh, firstly, I'm also going to be in Mark chapter 10, so if you have a Bible, or you can look up the Version Bible app as well and look up the Horsham Church of Christ event and all the scriptures that I'll be using, uh, plus a couple of bonus ones for you, will also be included in that as well. But this morning, there's a text or a scripture that always fascinates me, always intrigues me when I get to this. It's the story of when Solomon becomes a king. And as Solomon becomes the king, we discover that he has this relationship, this beautiful, meaningful, uh, transforming relationship with God. Um, and it, as he starts his uh, reign, his rule as the king, he has this dream where he has this conversation with God. And it goes, we're told that it goes something like this in 1 Kings chapter 3. The Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now this, <laughs> ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, it just occurred to me uh, this week that it doesn't say, I will give you whatever you want. Let me know what it is. God is in this conversation, in this relationship. Now, I know that if I asked my kids, ask me whatever you want me to give you, that would probably come at me with a little bit of suspicion. Well, you're probably not going to give it to me anyway. Um, or I would go back to them and they'd, they'd come, oh, I want a new car, Dad, or can we have a new TV or can, you know, something they might have wanted in their, their bedrooms or an, an update to something. And you know, they'd, they'd try it on. And then I would say something like, well, I never said I'd give it to you anyway. So there's this kind of banter. And I don't 
want to suggest that God is like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. I don't think this is a trick question from God. Uh, I actually wonder if God is checking Solomon's heart. See, Solomon actually grew up really differently to the previous king, who was indeed his father, David. You know, many of us would know the story of David, who was a shepherd boy, who was appointed uh, to be king, uh, apparently out of oblivion. Uh, And then he spent the next numerous years running from Saul, who had this jealousy towards David, knowing that he had been appointed king. That wasn't how it happened for Solomon. Solomon was given the rule and the authority as a king because of the heart and the nature and the way that David had led God's people. And so because of David's faithfulness, uh, God established his rule and authority then through his son, Solomon. And so this is where we find this conversation taking place. It was, his authority wasn't given out of hardship. It wasn't given out of struggle. It wasn't given out of years of waiting. It was simply because it was his uh, right, his birthright, if you like. So I wonder if God is actually checking Solomon's heart with this. What is on your heart, Solomon? What's happening for you here? Um, And in this, I think this is a a beautiful expression because this is what Solomon answers as he goes on. I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. What a great way to start a prayer, to know who we are, to know, to be humble enough to recognise what we carry and what we don't carry. Um, And I think this is an incredible, uh, humble expression of Solomon, especially when you're a king. Like, you're a king. You're meant to know what's going on. You're meant to know how to do things. And yet Solomon says, actually, God, I think there's going to be a lot here that I don't know. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? So Solomon recognises a couple of things. He recognises who he is, he recognises the challenge, but he also recognises that these people are actually God's people. Some translations, some transcripts uh, will actually say, grant me wisdom, Father. Grant me humility and wisdom to know how to lead your people. Um, God replies to this, I will do what you have asked. So I'll give you a discernment. I'll give you a a gentle heart, a discerning heart, a wise heart to know how to govern and to lead my people. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honour, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And historians actually tell us this, that Solomon was one of the wealthiest men, one of the most well-regarded kings in the course of any king throughout history. And I think this is a fascinating thing. And you can go and read the story in 1 Kings yourself. This is a whole conversation. Because you didn't ask for wealth and honour, I am blown away that you asked for wealth, uh, for wisdom, sorry, uh, and discernment. But because you asked for that, I will give you more. And I think that's a, a great expression of how God operates in relationship. When he is uh, 
when we humble ourselves before God, God always wants to pour out more into us. He always wants to offer more. Now, this is not a statement that says if we believe in God, we get more. Let's check our hearts here before we go any further. This is a good place to check our hearts because I know that some of us would might be saying, sitting here, depending on our maturity in faith, might be saying, oh, well, I've asked for wisdom and I haven't got more. I'm not as wealthy as a king. All right, if that's where we've started to go, we need to pull back here and we need to have something checked on our hearts because this is not an invitation to jealousy. This is not an invitation into comparison. This is not even a normal story because I'm trying to think about another story where this has actually happened, that someone has asked for wisdom and God has said, I'll actually give you wealth and honour. As far as I can recall, this is the only time in all of Scripture. This is not normal behaviour. But there is the opportunity to learn something out of the heart here. God, I'm only a child. You're asking me to do something that is beyond me. And many of us might feel like that at the moment. So I need your discernment. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. And then it's up to God how he responds. And that's true for all of us. We need to be humble enough to come before God with our hearts, with our minds and our spirits and say, whew, I don't know what's going on here, God. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I'm going to trust you. And then we will trust God with how he responds. Because it's interestingly here, if you want to compare ourselves to Solomon and we think, well, I haven't got the same wealth or honour despite the fact that I have uh, asked for wisdom and discernment, do you want the same responsibility that Solomon had? I'm not actually sure I do either. That's a big responsibility that he was given. And if you go through the next few chapters of Kings, incredibly wise king, but what we read towards the end of his life in 1 Kings chapter 11 is that his heart was turned away from God. A king who started so well, who knew the blessing of God in relationship, who knew the outpouring of God's favour, because he started in humility and seeking discernment and wisdom, his heart was turned away from him. Now, we were told that his many wives and concubines uh, turned his heart away to other gods. Now, I wonder if he would have had as many wives and concubines as if he, if he didn't have as much wealth, if he didn't have as much riches. I don't know. Now, I'm not saying the money is the cause of his problems here. We're not told that. Indeed, we're told that people turned his heart. But I wonder what his attitude towards money, what attached itself to his heart through his money. See, despite the great start, his heart was turned away from God. See, money can be God's tool or it can be the enemy's weapon. Money we've spoken about the last couple of weeks, money can free us from debt, it can release vision, it can direct our time, and it can help us respond to need. It has this capacity to provide resource and blessing. But in the, in the hand of the enemies, uh, in the hands of the enemy, sorry, it can also divert our hearts, feeds greed, creates selfishness, and fuels pride. And I say that because it fuels pride in the sense that look at what I've achieved, look at what I've accomplished, look at what I have done. So we turn inwards towards ourselves, rather than recognising the gift and the blessing that God has offered to us. Money can be God's tool or the enemy's weapon. See, it's not what you have. 
but what has you? This is the question that we're asking today. It's not what you have, but what has you? What has rule and authority over your life? Is God your first thought when we think about money? Is the way that you use your money a reflection of the relationship that God has given to you and the blessing that God has given to you? Or is the way that we use our money more about uh, the sense that we're drawing back into ourselves and this is the right that we have earned? Does it feed our selfishness, our greed, our pride? Has our money diverted our heart away from the promise, the blessing, the favour and the protection of God? There's been times where in my life where I've wanted something uh, and you know I've maybe saved or I've moved money around and we've talked about it, we've budgeted for it, we've planned for it um, and we get to a point uh, and we think, yep, we want to buy this and then we kind of, uh, oh, let's pray about this and see what God does. You know, God becomes a bit like a vending machine <laughs> uh, and I... You know, as much as I kind of awkwardly laugh at that now, I'm not particularly proud of those moments. But God has been, at times, the last thought. Now, I'm not saying we necessarily need to go to God with every cent that we spend, um, but it's a good habit. God, what do you think about this? What do you think about this decision that I make? But see, what we do in treating God as a vending machine, oh, I better pray about it, and then we say, well, if God opens the doors, it's the right thing to do. Obviously, he wants me to do it. It's God's blessing. God will make a way if it's meant to be. Maybe you've said that yourself. It might actually be God's blessing. It might actually be his favour and protection when things don't go according to our plan. But we don't often think like that, do we? We often only think that God is blessing us when the doors open to what we want. I just wonder if there might be something we need to check in our hearts in that. Because as I said, God might actually be blessing us, that is providing protection and favour by not giving us what we want. So I've had too many conversations with people uh, in ministry and throughout life, people who have uh, worked hard, they've saved hard, there's no doubt about that. I'm not disputing that at all. They've uh, thought about where they want to invest their time and their energy and their money. They, they scrape, they scrimp, they do everything possible to buy that dream home or build that dream home or build that car or buy that car. Good luck if you're building a car, by the way. And I'm, I'm not even against those things. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand that. Um, but I've had too many conversations with people who uh, spend so much time and energy in pursuing those things and believing that, it, and even acknowledging that it is the blessing of God to provide for those things for them and for their family. And then, sometime later, these blessings that they believe has, have come from God uh, become the very things that distract them from God because of the time and the energy that they've got to put into it, or protecting it, or fixing it, or adjusting it, or doing something else, or once they get that, then there's something else to get. And our hearts get distracted because we view all the things that we have around us as blessings from God. So suddenly these blessings become um, the distractions. We become tired and worn out. We become overwhelmed. We can't keep up. And we disconnect from the heart of God. And suddenly we wonder, what's happened to the blessing 
that God once provided for us, that we once felt so connected with and engaged with. Remember the verse from Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. It's a verse we've used a fair bit. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says. And this is a sentence he closes with. Now, the, money, the word for money in this context is the word mammon. And one author uh, defined mammon as materialism and worldly gain. That is, uh, that worldly gain regarded as having an evil influence, this money that has a world evil influence. More importantly, it is personified as a false god in the New Testament. So to rephrase the verse, it could say, you cannot serve both God and the false god of money, materialism and worldly gain. It's not what you have. It's what has you. See, how we plan and spend our money, how we prepare, how we budget, how we resource, how we invest our money, how we spend our money, how we enjoy our money, um, is a great reflection, a great indication of who or what has our heart, has our mind, has our spirits and has our body. See, money isn't the problem. Essentially, money is a piece of paper or a piece of a metal that's got some government-attributed value to it that's measured, and I don't, people smarter than me, uh, measure it against the world scale and um, trade currencies and all those kind of things. And all it is is a piece of paper with an attributed value to it. And yet somehow that attaches itself so deeply and richly to our hearts that it becomes this pursuit of materialism and worldly gain. It becomes a false god. If you like, you want to call it idolatry. That is, we put something else above our relationship with God. And keep in mind, foundationally, God is about blessing out of relationship that he has with his creation. There's a story in Mark chapter 10, which is confronts me every time and I offer it um, as uh, with some trepidation, I suppose. It kind of takes my breath away every time I read it and I'm kind of left with a knot in my stomach and wondering and examining. It's one of the stories that just kind of soccer punches you in the guts uh, every time I read it. There's a story here as, uh, as Jesus started on his way, so Jesus is walking throughout the township. Um, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. As I read that today, this week, it just occurred to me, there's a sense of urgency in this man. Uh, some gospels say a rich man, a rich young man or a rich ruler. Uh, but this, he just says a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. So here's the urgency, here's the desperation, even the humility that's there to go up and fall on his knees before Jesus. Good teacher. Now hear that, good teacher. He's not addressing him as Lord, he's not addressing him as Master, but he's recognising something different about him. There's something unique about this person they are calling Jesus, although not quite yet Lord and Master. Hear the distinction there. This man asked Jesus, what must I do to in inherit eternal, eternal life? He wants to know what it is to get into heaven, if you like. That's a pretty crass expression. That's the most basic expression for you. And Jesus says, 
you know what you need to do? You need to obey the commandments. You know, do not steal, do not commit adultery, honour your father and mother, um, do not murder, um, do not covet what other people have, what your neighbour has, do not want what other people have, if you like. Um, and essentially, these are the commandments that uh, God gave to Moses about the relationship that we share with one another. So Jesus picks up this man's relationships, if you like, what it is to participate in community. And the man responds to Jesus and he says, with great excitement, imagine with, always with great excitement, oh, oh, beauty, yes, I have kept all of these since I was a boy. Tick, 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 tick. I have done all the things that you said well. I have behaved well. Pause, wait. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Now I want you to hear that today. Whatever you choose to do with your money, however you choose to behave, and whatever you do with this message, whatever you do with this idea of church, whatever you do with this relationship, even if you don't think anything about Jesus, even if you're here today because you're exploring this concept of church and faith and Jesus, and you walk away and go, no, not for me, I want you to hear this really clearly, and I hope it sticks in your thought and your spirit for the rest of your days. Jesus looks at you and loves you. Whatever decision you make, wherever you go, whatever you do, Jesus looks at you and he loves you. One thing you lack, he says to this man, Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. Great opportunity. He's, remember this man ran up to him, fell on his knees. He recognises something about him. Here's the opportunity. Come, follow me. And come, follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. <laughs> Jesus has given him the way to inherit eternal life. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus actually uh, goes on and says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's highlighting this distraction that money can so quickly be. He's not actually saying it's impossible. It's actually, he actually goes on to say, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The only way we can participate in the true riches of life is through Jesus. The fullness of life, the full promise of eternal life, both now and forevermore, is through Jesus. Um, and that's true for all of us. Kind of takes the wind out of you, that story, doesn't it? I feel it even sitting here on my own, reading the story again. I've got to re-examine my heart again. What has my heart? See, I've heard incredible stories of conviction where people new to faith or not so new to faith have, have read this story, they've come across this story of, as they've read the Bible and they've gone, right, oh, if that's what it means to follow Jesus, they sell up their homes and they, they just start following Jesus. They might still have their jobs. Some of them keep their jobs, uh, but 
they, they just follow Jesus. They start to live really intentionally and simply. It changes the way that they live because they respond to that in obedience. Other people, they sell everything they have and they go into ministry. Other people sell everything they have and they go and serve overseas. Some people um, start missional communities in their own neighbourhoods where they say, I'm not going to live like this, pursuing great wealth and just building up things for myself. They actually move out and it changes, transforms their life. And this is essentially what we're looking for, is to have our lives transformed by Jesus. I've also heard messages, and I know I've said messages, where um, we kind of want to just brush it aside and not really uh, confront the question that's there. Is our wealth... In our way, in the way of our relationship with Jesus, is our wealth in the way of our relationship with Jesus? We kind of brush it away. Oh no, God might not actually be telling us all to sell things. Oh, I'm not actually going to say I'm going to leave for God to convict you. What is it that's in the way? So even those closest to Jesus were made uncomfortable with this. Oh, well, hang on a minute. We've left everything to follow you. What does this actually look like for us? Keep following me and you'll find out, Jesus says. That's a paraphrase. (laughs) See, the gospel is not a call. The good news of Jesus is not actually a call to comfort and to ease. It is a call to blessing because it's a call to relationship. But it's not very easy because it means we have to lay some things down, we have to let go of some previous ideas and mindsets. Because to know the full blessing of God requires that we completely trust him in everything and with everything. And that might mean we actually have to let go of some things, lay some things down, release some things, release some behaviours, some attitudes and some mindsets. See, it's not what you have but what has you? And as I was thinking about that relationship that Jesus had, we might easily say, oh, no, money's not my problem. Okay. Let's run up to Jesus. Let's run up to him with some urgency. Let's fall on our knees and say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what would it look like if Jesus says to you, I'll tell you what, give up your career. Go and do that job over there and come follow me. What if Jesus said to you, one thing you lack, give up your retirement, come follow me? What if Jesus said, give up your dreams of becoming a star or a movie star or a singing star or a sports star, come follow me? What if Jesus said, give up your position, give up your high-paying salary, your executive position, your status, Come, follow me. What if you run up to Jesus? What's one thing I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus ticks off the things. You know, do not steal, do not commit adultery. And you go, yep, done all that. And Jesus says, oh, what about that hurt? What about that blame? What about that anger? What about that fear? Do you think that might be preventing you from really knowing the full blessing of relationship that the Father has in store for you? and the favour he wants to pour out in your life? We can't serve God and money. 
Indeed, we can't serve anything else that might be in front of our relationship with the Father because anything else is idolatry. We've put something else and made something else more important than God. So you can set about making your own life and establishing your own life. There's no doubt about that. But often when we do that, we have a short-term perspective with no long-term benefits. It's not a great investment, really. There will come a time where you wonder if all you have built for yourself is all there is. If it's not happening now, it will come. And I think this is the great question, the great challenge that we have out of the stories that we've heard today of Solomon and of the man who came and fell at Jesus' knees. What is it that we're investing in? What is it we're building to? What is it that has attached itself of higher importance to ourselves than our relationship with God the Father revealed through Jesus Christ? So to talk about money today is essentially about talking uh, our, about our relationship with God revealed through Jesus Christ who came to seek and save the lost, those of us who have wandered off and those of us who have never heard, those of us who have been a part of religious organisations, institutions, ticking off, doing all the right things all our lives. Essentially, God wants to come to us and say, hey, come, follow me, and I'll give you greater treasures in heaven than you have ever known on this earth. But it will mean that you need to cut yourself off, release yourself, throw off, Everything that hinders you, that spirit that's attached itself to you, whether it's through your money or through whatever you've built or established for yourself. Throw it off. I love you and I want to participate in relationship with you. Do you want to do that today? Is that something you want to declare today, that Jesus, I have made other things more important than you? I have allowed other thoughts, other patterns, other behaviours, material wealth, worldly gain, to get in the way of my relationship with you. Today I lay it down, I surrender it to you. How do you want me to live from here, Jesus? I want to give my whole heart, mind, soul, spirit and body to you today. If that's you today, I want to invite you, invite you to pray with us. Um, mate, you might want to kneel, you might want to stand, you might just want to simply open your hands as a, an act, a movement to say, I'm doing something different right here, right now. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you that you are a God of blessing, a God who does desire relationship and wants to pour out your favour over us, your blessing over us in a way that takes our breath away. Forgive us, Father, because we've often looked for your blessing in ways that we expect, in ways that make us feel comfortable, in ways that make us um, or have a, an attitude, a mindset of comparison with those around us. But Father, we pray that today we would surrender to you. We confess that we have turned our hearts and our minds away from you and instead chased other things, filled our lives with other things. Even the things that you've blessed us with have become a distraction from you. And we confess that and we repent from that today. I repent from that today, Father. Father, for those who are sitting here for the first time and declaring you as their Lord and Saviour, not just teacher, but Lord and Saviour. I pray that you would come into their homes, into their hearts, their minds right now and they would uh, experience an overwhelming presence in you, an overwhelming peace, an overwhelming knowledge of your goodness. And I pray that for all of us, Father, that in our courage, in our humility, 
in our desire to know you more, that we would lay down the pursuit of worldly gain, those things that have attached themselves to us as more important than you, and that from today, from this moment, we might again chase after your own heart above everything else. Thank you, Father, for who you are, your goodness and your love. In the name of Jesus, amen.